At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. What is up, New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook? Uh, excited for this show today. Jason Weingarten of the Wide World of Weingarten podcast will be on. We'll talk all things NFL, uh, Super Bowl. He was at the NFC title game, and he's going to be at the Super Bowl. So uh, we'll go over everything with the NFL. He's great with baseball. So we went over Mets, Yankees, futures, you know, some prospect stuff. Interesting guest. Very excited to have him on. So we'll talk about all that uh, with Jason. Uh, first, uh, I guess we'll start with the basketball. I think I'm going to save all the Flores stuff for tomorrow just because there's a lot to get into. And I want to have you know some time with Jason. I think Jason and I will probably talk for a while. So uh, you obviously you heard the story with Flores. It, it's not going anywhere. It's a huge story. It's a bombshell. And we'll have a lot of thoughts on that tomorrow. So uh, you know that broke Tuesday after we got done recording. So it's been a couple days. And uh, we can dive deeper into that tomorrow. So we'll spend we'll spend time on the Flores stuff and w- everything with the Giants and the lawsuit tomorrow. Just quickly on the basketball, uh, Knicks lose to the Grizzlies. Uh, we mentioned this stretch here, 21 games, starting with last Monday, the Cavs. Uh, Heat, Bucks all on the road uh, through this West Coast trip. These next 21 games up and through like the middle of March, the Knicks are, are going to be done in. They're not the team they were last year. Last year was kind of a fluke. They are probably going to be sellers, if anything, at the deadline. I can't imagine them adding to this roster. Uh, you know, I can't even see them even getting a 10 seed as a stretch with the schedule they have coming up. I just don't see it happening. So I think the Nets, uh, the Knicks are on their way uh, out of the playoff picture. They're behind the Hawks. They're behind a lot of these teams, the Raptors, the Celtics. The Knicks are, are not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere fast. They are fading. They are going to finish well below 500 and... Probably for the best, you know, to get a, a draft pick. It, it's a good draft from what everyone says. So get some more lottery balls. Who knows? Maybe you get some luck for a change if you're the Knicks and you move up. Uh, we've seen the Knicks, you know, get luck the other way where it's it's gone against them. And, you know, they pick third. They miss out on, on Ja. They miss out on Zion. Uh, you know, Barrett's a decent player, but obviously, you know, Ja's an MVP candidate. Zion looked like that when he was healthy. So uh, maybe the Knicks get some break with the lottery this year, but the Knicks are not going anywhere this year. This is a brutal schedule, a brutal stretch, and... Uh, the Knicks last, lose last night to the Grizzlies. They are struggling, and they are not alone. The Nets have now lost six in a row, and they are flirting with the playing game. They are uh, just a game and a half again ahead of the Hornets for the seventh for the seventh seed. So the Hornets are the seven. The Knicks are the six. Uh, I'm sorry, the Nets are the six. The Hornets are the seven. Nets are a game and a half ahead of the Hornets. Uh, there's a scenario here with with a couple more injuries. Durant doesn't come back. Now, I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm sure you know if Durant comes back, they'll get on track. But there's a scenario here where the Nets are, are somehow playing in the playing game, which uh, is pretty amusing. You think about, you know, this team is the title favorite, kind of similar to the Lakers last year, where they're the title favorite. 
Uh, although the Lakers, you know, last year had the bubble excuse where they were basically had no offseason. The Nets don't really have that excuse this year. They came in as the title favorite. They were like two to one to win it all, and they have faded quickly here without Durant. Uh, Aldridge is out. You know, Kyrie only plays half the games. The Nets have not played well. They've not defended well. They blew a lead last night to the Kings. They have lost six in a row. And uh, I mentioned last week there's value on the Sixers to win the division. They were plus 175. It's now down to basically a coin flip. Although the Sixers let one get away last night because I, I, I mentioned I, I'm on the Sixers plus 175 to win the division and to win the East. Net, uh, the Sixers really let one get away last night uh, against the Wizards. It's like 10 and a half, 11 point favorites. But the Nets are in bad shape. The Nets are not in good shape. And uh, again, there's a scenario here where they get all these guys healthy. They're in the playoffs. And as long as they're healthy, their A game is probably as good as anyone. But definitely have to be concerned by the Nets. You know, the way they played, the injuries. Uh, they got some older guys. These guys are all 30, north of 30. These guys have all had injuries, lower body injuries. You know, Harding was hurt last year. Irving was hurt last year. And they just, they never seem to be on the court at the same time. So uh, the Nets are going to have to get off this streak eventually. I mean, they, they play the Jazz in Utah tomorrow, which is usually a tough game, but the Jazz are missing a bunch of guys too. Mitchell and Gobert, the Jazz are kind of a mash unit as well. So maybe the Nets get off the schneid and win tomorrow, but they are struggling right now. And uh, the betting aspect of it is I think there's value on the Sixers. I think the, the Sixers, you could still get them to win the division around even money. You could still get them to win the East around 8-9-1. to one. And, you know, the Sixers are just kind of a better team right now, more more trustworthy, and this, they might be adding a piece. There's rumors, you know, Bradley Beal, can you pitch in Simmons, draft picks, Maxi? Uh, you know, Maury likes to go for it, and I think Maury could sense an opening here with – you know, the Nets not playing well. They're injured. The Bucks haven't played great. The East is kind of wide open. Uh, does Maury look at the, the landscape here of the East and say, you know what? I got a chance here to, to steal a conference, to steal a championship, to at least get to the finals. Uh, I'm going to put my chips in the middle, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get Bradley Beal, put him with Embiid, who's playing great, would be the MVP, I think, if the season ended today, and, and kind of go for it. And if you're the Sixers, you can be in a scenario where – Maybe the Nets and Bucks have to play each other round one. You know, say the Bucks are the four, the Nets are the five, uh, something like that. Now that wouldn't be great because you're near the one and you got to play the winner of that. But you could have a scenario where you avoid both of them until the conference finals. Say you're the two seed, and Nets are the four, Bucks are the five, something like that. Uh, they beat each other up. You know, you have to play the Hornets and maybe the Bulls in the second round, something like that. And you can just kind of get to the Eastern Conference Finals unscathed. And if you're sitting there. Uh, eight, nine to one, ten to one to win the East with with a price on Philly. If you're in the conference finals, that's a hell of a position to be, and you can always buy back uh, on the other team that makes the conference finals. So, Nets are in trouble. Knicks are pretty much done. Uh, trade deadline's like nine, ten days away. We'll see if they unload. Whether it's Walker, Fournier, maybe Randall, they really don't have a lot that's going to get you something back. But uh, the Nets are not, uh, the Knicks are not in good shape right now. The Nets are a mess. It feels like a Monday in football season where I'm coming in and you know the Giants lost, the Jets lost. It, it feels like that with these basketball teams who have not played well recently. So uh, that's the basketball situation coming up on the trade deadline. We're in February here, so a couple more months. I mean, it's a long, long NBA season, but before you know it, we'll start to uh, start to creep in on the playoffs, March Madness, all that stuff. So. That's the NBA scenario. Let's talk some NFL. Let's talk some baseball. Let's get Jason Weingarten on here to go over the Super Bowl and some MLB stuff. There's nobody like him, and there's nobody better. He is the host of the Wide World of Weingarten podcast, Jason Weingarten. What's going on, Jason? How are you, man? Pretty good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. I'm happy you're on. Uh, this is exciting. Now, we'll start with the Rams. You're a Rams fan, and you were at the game, the NFC title game the other day, and I always think... 
you know, it, it's a good way to judge a decision based on how the opponent feels about it. What does the opponent want you to do? As a Rams fan, what did you think of Kyle Shanahan punting fourth and two late in that game? I was, as a Rams fan, I was in favor of the decision. As a as a football fan, as a strategist, I completely disagreed with the decision. I was shocked that they didn't go for it in the first place. I was more shocked they didn't go for it after McVay took that last timeout, burned his final timeout. I mean, you get a first down there, you at least have a chance to get a field goal, go up six. You know, at worst, at best, you have a chance to take five minutes off the clock, score a touchdown, go up 10. I could not believe that they didn't run their strongest running play. You know, with your season on the line, you absolutely always have to trust your offensive line to get an extra yard or two yards. If you if you don't, what are you even doing there in the first place? Yeah, and I, I thought it was obviously the wrong decision, but I wasn't surprised just because, you know, I killed him after the Dallas game. He kind of let Dallas hang around, you know, fourth and one, they kicked a short field goal. Late in that game, remember they, you know, they they punted from a, an opponent territory. So, you know, I call him cautious Kyle. He's a great play caller. He's a good coach, but he has a tendency to get really conservative in these games. And yeah, I, I thought that whole sequence from second and one on. I mean, if you run a play action there, they're probably selling out for the run. You can hit them for twenty yards, like you said. You're in, you're deep in Rams territory. You can bleed clock. You go up ten there. The game's probably over, and they just couldn't put them away. Just couldn't put them away. They. They hung around. I really thought the Rams outplayed them in the first half. It was for sure. You know, the difference was an early interception and a missed field goal. Otherwise, it probably would have been a tie game at half. But they just let them off the hook. You know, you you just you got to go in there and execute. And they had a couple plays. They punted three times from I think midfield the the yep. whole game too. It just forty five. <laughs> it, it was the wrong time to get conservative. Yep, three punts from the Rams. Forty five are in, which. Uh, in 2022, you just can't be doing it. I mean, you gotta you gotta have a better feel for the league. It's shocking because I'm sure they have an analytics department, and no, there's no way an analytics department is feeding these decisions. So I'm sure that Shanahan on his own, just you know, taking the game into his own hands. And he said after the game, I didn't even think about punting. I never. I mean, that's uh, a pretty crazy statement. Yeah, you know, it just. I'm a Rams fan, so I'm happy. I'm happy it worked out. I'm glad I got to watch uh, watch the Rams clinch the championship at home. Yeah, and like you said, they outplayed him earlier. I mean, Skoranek, I think it was, dropped the ball in the end zone, and then Cup dropped one where he probably could have scored too. So the Rams had their chances to put him away early. Uh, what was it like to be in that building? I remember I heard Terrell Davis a couple weeks ago talking about the 1998 AFC title game against the Jets, and their game was about to start, and they, they found out that that great Viking team got upset against the Falcons, and everyone was kind of like, oh, shit, we got a chance to win the Super Bowl if we just win this game. Was there a buzz in the building with the Chiefs losing? You know, it was it was actually sort of a weird uh, environment, and I've I've been to a lot of Rams games, both at at SoFi this year and at the Coliseum since they they were back in LA. But the uh, the the hardest thing about Rams versus big teams, especially playoff games, is that other teams' fans take over the stadium. It was it was noticeable at the Coliseum, and it's probably even more noticeable this first season at SoFi. The uh, the 49ers fans at the a at the NFC Championship game this weekend were so loud that the at the beginning of the game when Matt Stafford threw that interception, I was still walking to my seats, and I assumed the Rams scored a touchdown because they were wow. cheering so much. And I had to look at my phone, and it wasn't until I saw that that the the 49ers had first and ten on the 20 yard line that I realized it was a turnover, 
and no touchdown had been scored. But the entire game, it was confusing because when a flag would be thrown, someone would start cheering, you know, and, and you're like, well, did the Rams do something? Is this a whole what? And, you know, it just, it, 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 it's not much of a home game for the home team. Um, I, I think that, you know, they don't get home. There's no home field advantage at SoFi at the moment for the Rams, basically. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was the crowd because I couldn't tell from uh, watching it on TV. And that was a big part of my handicap going in. I was like, three and a half. There's not three and a half points of difference between these teams. And you can't give really anything for home field. So I just didn't know how you got to three and a half in terms of a line. Now it lands on three. Again, one game sample. You can't really get a lot from it. But would you say it was 50-50? Again, I couldn't really tell from being home. To me, it was more like a tennis match. I watched uh, that Aussie Open final Sunday. And it was like, you know, Nadal would hit a good shot. And we go, oh, wow, everyone's cheering for Nadal. But then the other guy, Medvedev, would hit a good shot. And people cheering for him. So it was kind of, you couldn't tell if it was split. Or, you know, how, how would you break down the, the split? Was it 50-50? Was it more one or the other? I want to say it was like 60-40, 49ers fans. Yeah. But in reality, the lower bowl, like behind the, the, the Rams bench, was pretty Rams heavy. And the, the, the lower section was, was you know, split probably 50-50. But the higher up you got, like the top deck, was probably 75-25, 49ers fans. Um, it, it was not It was not close. You know, Rams were under uh, underrepresented at home in this game. Hell of a game, though. I mean, we've gotten so lucky with these last six games, starting with the divisional round last week. Everything at stake when the games come down to the final two minutes. There's just it's it's there's so much tension. There's so much drama. I'm sure it was uh it was great to be in the building. Just a hell of a game. And really, the 49ers, they, they couldn't get a drive. I mean, it, they got the ball back, I think, six minutes left. The Rams are out of timeouts. You got a chance there to go down the field, you know, five, six first downs. You got a good kicker with gold. You could have just kicked it, and time expired. And, and the Rams really kind of had their hands tied behind their back. You know, no timeouts. You only had the two-minute warning, a few first downs there, and, and, and the 49ers could have bled out the clock and won it. But uh, the Rams advance. They are in the Super Bowl. Do you have any bets yet on the Super Bowl? Where do you lean with this game, side or total? I bet the Rams to win the Super Bowl on the money line. I, I laid minus 190 before the uh, before I even left the stadium. I was still at the trophy ceremony, and I logged in and, and bet the Rams to, to win the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I figured minus 190 was about as short as it would get. I saw Circa was already up over minus 200. I figured <clears throat> minus 200 was probably going to be about, about a fair price, so... I'm going to go to the game, so I, I got to bet it anyways. I have to, you know, have something. And I don't really want to lay the four. I'm not dying to take the four with uh, the Bengals, although I probably would. If if having to choose a side, I would probably take the four points. But I think uh, I think the Rams' money line was the, was the play right at the opening. Um, if you can get it under 200, it's probably not the worst bet you can make. But uh, I really do think it's going to be a competitive game. The Bengals have, have shown that, you know, they beat the Chiefs twice this season. Um, what else do you want from a team other than, you know, two victories over Patrick Mahomes? Uh, don't count out Joe Burrow is, is what I'm saying. I think I think he's he's probably the best value also for the MVP. I saw he's like plus 225. So um, that's that's a pretty good price. I think I think that's a better price than the Bengals money line. And he's likely the 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 top candidate in almost any situation, unless unless you're gonna like 
pick out a specific defensive player and make a case that this guy's going to force multiple turnovers or have interceptions. You got to go with Joe Burrow for the uh, the MVP if you think the Bengals are going to win. I think I think that's like one of the easiest bets you could make so far for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I haven't bet the game yet. There's this theory that you know recreational betters are going to take the underdog on the money line just because hey, you know it's Joe Burrow. I can bet more. You know, I can I can bet a little, win a lot. So they trend towards the money line and that'll depress the money line the other way. So maybe the Rams, you can get them at 185, 180. That might be pushing it. So I haven't bet, but I, I'm totally with you. I have a hard time seeing the Bengals win this game. Uh, you know, I, I just think this is a good matchup for the Rams. Their defensive line against the Bengals offensive line. This is this is everything for the Rams. I and mean, this is kind of house money for the Bengals, which you know could work in their favor too, but the Rams went all in. I mean, they don't have any draft picks that, you know, free agents, Beckham, they went all in for this and, uh, you know, they're home. I, I just kind of think this is this is the Rams game to win. Uh, you mentioned MVP sleepers or, you know, MVP awards. It's tough to find. It's tough to look past the quarterbacks. They just they tend to give it to the quarterback no matter what. I was thinking maybe Ramsey just because of the matchup defensive line versus offensive line. You know, Burrow makes some bad throws, quick decisions, and Ramsey's able to. You know, you probably have to get two interceptions. You probably need one for a touchdown. Uh, is there anyone way down the board? I know the kicker for the Bengals, McPherson's getting some love. I don't see that one. I'm, I'm not betting him. Is there any other like deep, deep sleepers uh, you're looking at here? You know, I, I'm waiting for more books to open to, to kind of get a, a better gauge of, of what the overall market looks like. For example, Circa hasn't posted MVP odds yet, and I expect they'll have some, some competitive prices out there. But a lot of what I've seen so far... From, from looking through the board, uh, when you get past the quarterbacks, and obviously the quarterbacks are always going to be the favorites in a market like this, you have Cooper Cup, who's who's like the third favorite, and he's Cooper Cup. He's having an elite season. So there's no value there. You're taking like 5-1, to 6-1. to one. If you think Cooper Cup's going to win and you live in a state with legal betting and you have a book with the single-game parlay engine, you're better off you know, doing a correlated parlay on... Cooper Cup's overs, you know, Cooper Cup over receptions, over yards to score two touchdowns, Rams to win. That'll pay more than his MVP. And he can do all those things and still not win MVP, but you could win your bat. So you have to approach this market trying to understand what your guy, your betting needs to win. Because there could be ways to, you know, via a single game parlay or via another prop to find a way to basically make the same bet on the on on the same you know in-game outcome happening whether it be turnovers or multiple touchdowns um, where you could still win and not necessarily he you know whoever you bet on wins the MVP um, besides that the farther down the board you you go like typically I'm a big fan of betting defensive players I do it every year I'm finally gonna win it you know sooner or later I had cam Chancellor, 200 to one when the, the the Seahawks won. I I almost hit that. Uh, I had a couple others. It was close. I thought Devin White deserved it over Tom Brady last year, but I always believe that defensive players have a better chance than than the market thinks. Just because, especially when you look at at certain players, they're on the field the most. There you know, there's guys that are on the field 95, 100% of the time. You know, whatever you figure out who these guys are, you you bet the guys are on the field the most. You're gonna, you know, eventually have a guy who has a, you know, a 14 tackle game with two sacks and an interception or something. But uh, this year, 
the Aaron Donald, normally he'd be 80 to 1, he'd be 100 to 1. He's like 25 to 1. And you you just there's no value there. Don't don't fool yourself into thinking that Aaron Donald 25 to 1 is a good bet. It's actually a terrible bet. So uh you know, you really really have to go farther farther down the list to uh find anything of of value and truthfully the the best value like I said is probably right up top with Joe Burrow. Uh, unless unless you have a specific case, you know, you're going to say, I think this cornerback is going to have two interceptions, a touchdown, whatever. The value's up top this year. Um, sometimes it's it's long shots this year. It just happens to be guys up, up at the top. Yeah, I mean, Cup's probably going to be a popular one. I would just worry that all of his production is going to come with Stafford, and there's, you know, a narrative thing takes over there with, you know, Stafford's been a career loser, never won a playoff game until this year with the Lions, and if, if Cup has a big game, that means Stafford has a big game. So it's just hard for the receiver to steal. I know Edelman stole it a couple years ago when Brady didn't play well. I actually thought, uh, to your point, I thought Gilmore deserved it that year. Gilmore was just dominant. Now, again, I don't, I don't think he had interceptions. He might have had one interceptions. He was really good, but... Uh, you know, if you don't, unless you score, unless you have a couple turnovers, it, it's hard for a defensive player to steal it. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll take a look at a few of these. You know, have you made any bets on this, or you're just kind of waiting to see, you know, what's what? Normally, I bet a lot of money on the Super Bowl MVP. It's one of my like favorite novelty markets. You know, like I don't, I don't necessarily expect to win a lot of money, but like last year, I ended up with like every Bucks defensive player. I probably had ten. 10 of the 11 starters on the Bucks defense by kickoff at, you know, at each one at the best price I could find. But I, I do that more for the novelty as opposed to the actual expecting to, to hit a huge bet. Although I, I did think Devin White was, was the MVP over Brady. I mean, how do you not give a defensive player on the Bucks the MVP when they held Patrick Mahomes scoreless? I think, I think that was crazy. But in general, no, I, I I haven't bet this 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 year. I haven't bet the MVP this much yet, just because the the books that I prefer to use haven't haven't put numbers up yet. So I, I haven't been able to bet it. I could bet a hundred bucks here and there, but you know if I really want to bet something, it it just hasn't like props props haven't populated yet enough to seriously start betting them. But I I, I have ideas of you know what I plan on betting, what I normally bet, how I bet, etc. Yeah, I mean, I haven't bet too much yet. I did grab Cup over just because nobody's going to be betting under. I figure if you grab the over now, the earlier you get it, the better. You can always buy back on the under. I think it was 102 and a half. Uh, you figure that probably it's only going to go up. It's like Patrick Mahomes passing yards. People aren't going to bet this stuff under. I mean, people are just going to be rushing to bet Cooper Cup over. So, you know, maybe you can middle it there and just buy back on an under uh, at a better price. Uh, how about next year? Is there anything now? A lot of a quarterbacks. You know, in limbo, whether it's Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, uh, will anything catch your? Will you bet any futures now, trying to get ahead of the move? Now, it, once you start to get the the idea that you know the Broncos are already fifteen to one and Rodgers isn't even on the team, which to me is just criminal, uh, will you take a stab and say, you know what, the Panthers maybe they get to Sean Watson, the NFC is not good. Uh, I'll take a shot on one of these teams. Is there anything you know for next year that catches your eye in terms of a sleeper? I think you you mentioned the fifteen to one price already on the Broncos. So bookmakers are are somewhat overcompensating yeah. on uh, on a lot of this stuff already. If uh, if I had to, I would probably look at at some some bottom of the barrel teams from this year that are having coaches in year two situations. Like the Lions would would come to mind. 
But I would bet I would bet the Lions to win the NFC, not the the Super Bowl. And th- those are obviously crazy, stupid long shots at, at this point. But you're gonna find that anything like you mentioned, like the Broncos, that could potentially land a veteran quarterback has already been severely dejuiced. Um, Tennessee Titans might be a team I would look at because they they could upgrade from Ryan Tannehill, and they do have. Uh, other legitimate offensive weapons around the quarterback position, but in general, I don't I don't jump into NFL futures for the next year right at right around this time of the year, and uh, especially since the Tom Brady to Tampa move, the uh, the the market has has been repriced. But the Tom before if you if you bet the Bucks to win the Super Bowl to win the NFC the night or the the two days before. Brady signed with the Bucks. You were able to get fifty to one, hundred to one. You're able to get huge prices, but because stuff like that happened, you won't uh, you won't see stuff like that happen going forward. Books will just dejuice the entire market as opposed to getting hit again. So now I don't I don't really uh, jump into these these futures this early. The Saints maybe I like the Saints this year. They had an elite defense. I think they'll bring back an elite defense. They just have to plug in a quarterback. Yeah, I got to wait, too, and a lot goes into it, too, because I know the Saints are in some salary cap issues where they might just strip this thing down. Peyton's not there, so uh, a lot goes into these, and you mentioned the books overcompensate. I can remember the Lakers three or four years ago before they got LeBron. It was actually that summer. They had one of the worst teams in the league. The season ends, and they went like 3-1 to one to win the title just because there was rumors they were going to get LeBron and Kawhi, so the books are usually ahead of you on this stuff. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, the the Falcons might be another team, maybe just with the whole division, everybody else taking a step back. Carolina has coaching problems, no quarterback. Brady's Brady's gone, like you mentioned. Peyton's gone in New Orleans. So Matt Ryan's back. He has he has a window, and if you equip him with enough veteran talent, you can all of a sudden have a very good team in Atlanta for uh, the 2022-2023 season. Yeah, there's a diamond in the rough somewhere in the NFC. I don't know who it is, but there's such an imbalance. I can't really remember an imbalance like this where it's the AFC versus the NFC where one one conference is just so much stronger at the quarterback position, which is, you know, a big part of it where, you know, the, the NFC with Brady out of the mix, if Rodgers leaves, I mean, that really leaves uh, a wide open NFC. I don't think Rodgers is going to leave. I think uh, Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk pointed it out, and I, <clears throat> I, I absolutely agree with him that, uh, if Rodgers retires this year, he will go into the Hall of Fame the same year as Tom Brady and be the second fiddle, and that's just not going to happen. So I absolutely expect Rodgers to play in 2022 now, but I don't think he's going to play with the Packers. It's it, the, he, he, he saw what Brady did with the veteran recruiting and having his own team in a warm weather city, and I think that's what he's going to do. Um, but but the warm weather city being key, I think if you're if you're handicapping the uh, the Rogers landing places, I would not focus on Denver. I would focus on other, most likely West Coast destinations. The Raiders being a big one, and Seattle. Um, Seattle could do some crazy Russell Wilson trade and end up with Roger Will, uh, not Roger Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers. So. You know, don't don't rule out anything in the crazy world of the NFL. 
Yeah, well, I'm a Vikings fan. It just if Aaron Rodgers, if you're listening, it's not as cold in Minnesota as you think. It's, it, those rumors are false. It's really warm in Minnesota, so go to the Vikings if you're Aaron Rodgers. What about Watson? You think they're anywhere? You know, he's the one I think definitely is going to get moved. I can't see him back with the Texans. It was really strange how, you know, he wasn't suspended. He just didn't play. Is there anywhere, you know, you have a lean in terms of where he's headed, where he might go? I think, I mean, there's... The, the question is whether or not he's retroactively served a suspension or if he still has to serve one and when we're going to see him on the field. But provided he's already served his time via sitting out last season, which I'm, I'm not saying he has, I'm just, you know, I'm saying if, if the NFL agrees that he has no more suspensions going forward, I think you probably see about half the league consider upgrading to Deshaun Watson he's absolutely still a top tier quarterback and if anything a year off at that point in his career you know probably helps him at this health you know is is better he's probably you know is he hasn't taken any hits for an entire season everything's gotten stronger I, I think you I don't know where he's gonna land but I think a lot of teams will absolutely you know kick around packages to acquire a top tier quarterback like that. They don't, they just don't grow on trees in the NFL. Yeah. Especially this year, the draft from, I mean, look, you never know. Mahomes went 10th down went seventh, but from what everyone says, the draft, there's not that lock guy where, you know what, we've, we, we get this guy, we plug him in and, and we're good to go. That's why I keep coming back to Carolina. I mean, you have to wait in the fact that the division's not very good. Uh, the coaching staff and probably the GM, if it doesn't work out this year, they're probably all getting fired. So you say, you know what? We got a good defense. We got McCaffrey whenever he can stay on the field. You know, some decent weapons. Maybe we go all in for Watson in a winnable division. So that's why Carolina, you know, is one that I have my eye on for whatever reason. Yeah, it's not a, not a bad, you know, landing spot. They have a pretty pretty decent organization and they're, they're building something there. So it's not not terrible. Uh, All right, we'll get to baseball here. Just quickly on these awards. I think these are, what, next Saturday? I I feel like they move it around every year. Sometimes it's the week between the Super Bowl. Sometimes it's the night before the Super Bowl. I think the last couple years it's been the night before the Super Bowl. I think it's next week, next Saturday night they they announce them. Uh, Any upsets you anticipate? All the lines are pretty... You know, heavily skewed towards the chalk. Chase, offensive rookie of the year. Looks like Vrabel, coach of the year. Rodgers, heavy favorite for MVP. Uh, I don't have any interest in defensive player in the year. I think Watt's the favorite there. Do you think we see any upsets, or do you think kind of chalk chalk just holds here? I can't see. uh, I can't see very many upsets. They are doing it's a live show as opposed to in the past. They do like a pre-recorded thing. Um, So I don't know what what they're planning on doing differently this year. I think. If the voting was slightly later, after the playoffs had started, you'd likely see Zach Taylor winning Coach of the Year over Mike Vrabel. I think, like, like I was a big Zach Taylor proponent all season, saying he deserved Coach of the Year. Now the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. You, you'd think, like, obviously he would deserve Coach of the Year, right? And now Mike Vrabel's going to get the award. I don't know how that works, but... I could see Zach Taylor still winning. It just depends. You know, I, I can't see any other upsets. I can't see Rodgers not winning. Although I do wonder, it's a live show. Will Aaron Rodgers be there? Is he going to, you know, is he, like, does he care? Will they, will they find some way to not give it to him because he's not going to be there? I don't know. But no, I don't, I don't expect any upsets. This, this stuff is pretty straightforward. 
Yeah, that's another one where if they voted after the playoffs, I think Brady would probably get it. Probably the narrative thing of him retiring. Cooper uh, Cup didn't would be play. the MVP after the playoffs. There's no way he. Yeah, wouldn't. you know what? That's a good point. I, I would say this: it wouldn't be Rodgers. Whether you give it to Cup, whether you give it to Cup or, or Brady, because it's the last year. I don't think it'd be Rodgers if they revoted. Yeah, and and it's, I mean, that's just the way it is. That the award is the regular season MVP, so you, you don't include the playoffs. But uh, yeah. you know. Yep. Uh, all right, we can move on to baseball. Uh, first off, when do you think we'll have baseball? You know, the uh, the question of when we have baseball really comes down to what you define as baseball. If you define baseball as the 40-man roster, I think it might be a while. Um, I believe training camps will open. The, the you know, when spring training will open when it's expected to open in mid-February. It's just going to be full of minor league players as opposed to uh, MLBPA 40-man roster guys. I think there's a lot of negotiation left to go, and it'll probably sort of... Uh, the, the negotiations will get more serious as spring training gets closer, but at this point, with with you know less than two weeks until uh, pitchers and catchers are supposed to report, I can't see them getting a deal done by the beginning of spring training which means we're very close to not starting the season on time. So I don't know. I don't know when we're going to have Major League Baseball. I'm, uh, I'm not optimistic that we're going we're gonna to have what we uh, normally have come April, the beginning of April. I think, I think we might be in for a bit of a longer lockout. Because there's legitimate the- you know, reasons for the players you know, wanting what they want. For sure, for sure, not the answer I wanted. I, I've been, I've held out hope that it's you know middle of February, early March. They kind of agree to something, abbreviated spring training, and then we're good to go. You know, end of March, early April. But uh, who knows? What now? Expanded playoffs. This is one of the the issues there. I think it's one of the things the owners want. The players are willing to concede. I hate it. I hate the idea of twelve teams, fourteen teams. Now it's fun to watch. It's fun to bet on. Uh, it was a lot of fun a couple years ago. We we had that shortened season. We had all those best two out of three, that those weekday games. Those were a lot of fun. But just as a fan, I hate the idea that there's going to be 12 or 14 playoff teams in Major League Baseball. There's just no point. You know, if you're a Dodger fan or a Yankee fan, you've made a 162-game regular season, you know, pretty meaningless in terms of, in terms of that aspect of it. Expanded playoffs are a very pro-ownership idea because it means you can make the playoffs with less wins. So you yeah. don't have an incentive to go out and sign necessarily slightly better players and spend a lot more money. If you know you can make the playoffs with 82 wins as opposed to 92 wins, you don't need to invest to become a 92-win team. And then when you put that many teams in the playoffs, you know, 12 teams, 14 teams, whatever number you want, you're creating so much more variance and so much more randomness that the good teams year, year after year, the dynasties, the the elite teams will sometimes just lose because that's how baseball works. Sometimes the best teams lose on, you know, you you just don't know when you're going to lose. And that creates a whole, another pro pro management, pro ownership aspect where the best players aren't rewarded for their postseason success, you know, because why do I have to go out and sign, you know, the best player in the league when, you know, this guy is, you know, on the, the shortstop for, for the, the 12th best team, and he's in the playoffs sort of thing. It's, it's it, it, it Expanded playoffs just create more money for 
ownership and it it doesn't improve the game it's worse for for the fans it's like you saw in the wild card round the wild card football games weren't competitive we didn't need those teams in the playoffs it's playoffs are better when the teams are more competitive people just want more games and the leagues want more games for financial reasons obviously yeah and we're seeing with all these sports the nba's adding playing games uh, NCAA tournament it used to start Thursday at noon. The NCAA tournament now we got you know Tuesday night, Wednesday night, all these playing teams and NFL's adding teams. And like you said, I mean you're just adding more teams that can't win the title. I mean the Steelers this year weren't winning a Super Bowl, and you're adding these teams. The Bears last year made it is under 500. That was a terrible game. And yeah, uh, I'm with you. I mean the, the strike, uh, not the strike season, but the 60 game season two years ago. The Dodgers were I think 43 and 17. The Brewers were under 500, and the, the Dodgers had to beat them two out of three just to advance. Like, what's the point? I, we, we've established our superiority. If you're the Dodgers, we're 43 and 17. You're under 500. Why do we need to play best two out of three to see who goes on to the next round? I yeah. I mean, the 60 game season was interesting. It was better than no season at all. But I'm I'm happy it was a one time thing. I don't think we're gonna get that short of a season this year but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't get a whole 160 game plus schedule maybe 120 maybe we, we might lose a whole month you know we might lose more than a month but i do expect there will be baseball at some point in some form all right when we get baseball back uh this is the new york city cast so you know, we talk a lot of mets a lot of yankees the mets it seems like a while ago now they had scherzer they had kanha they had some nice pieces too escobar uh, they definitely improved the team. Do you put them on the same level as you know the Dodgers, the Braves? I have to, you got, got to include the Giants there. They won 100 plus games. Do you put the Mets on that level? The goal for the Mets is not necessarily to win the division; it's to make the playoffs because the construction of the Mets roster with the Grom and Scherzer at the top of the rotation is built for playoff, uh, you know, playoff, uh, playoff baseball. You, you you're going to have to face both of those guys twice in any seven game series, and that that's not a recipe for success if you're any other team in the NL, regardless if you're the Dodgers or the Braves or whoever. Having to face DeGrom and Scherzer back-to-back is about as bad of a pitching matchup as, uh, as you can get. So they're absolutely on par with any team in all of baseball with the top of that rotation, as long as they're healthy. If they're healthy, the Mets can hang with anybody. The, the bats, you know, you saw with the, the the Braves this year, Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario, offensive bats, offensive stats are available on the trade market for cheap, cheap dollars. What's not available, you know, unless you're willing to part with top-tier prospects is a, Matt, a Max Scherzer. So the Mets going out there and, you know, loading their top of the rotation with two of, two of the best pitchers, if not the two best pitchers, you know, in baseball at the moment, what else, what else can I ask for? You know? Yeah. I grabbed them 20 to one to win it all for that Sunday night. They were about to sign Scherzer. There were still some 20 to ones out there. So I grabbed it. My concern would be, like you said, DeGrom has been hurt. Scherzer really, he couldn't take the ball at the end of that NLCS. Remember he had a dead arm and he couldn't pitch and, and the Braves upset him. Uh, that would be my concern. And then the other concern is, you know what? If you split those first two games in a playoff series, if it's a 1-1, you know, who are you pitch in game three? You know, Tyler McGill was okay last year. I don't know that you trust him in a big game. Uh, Carrasco was a disaster. Walker was good the first half, bad the second half. So, again, there's a lot of free agents out there. Maybe they're still short a pitcher and they add someone. They can absolutely add somebody. But just by the fact that they have DeGrom and Scherzer, it's now an attractive destination for any veteran pitcher 
that wants to join that rotation and win a championship. So if anybody's available at the trade deadline, if if any if there's any veteran out there that's dissatisfied with his situation and becomes available, they're all attractive targets for the Mets to add. And you know, ownership knows that you've already invested all this money in DeGrom and Scherzer. Are you really not gonna invest the extra couple million dollars you need and get that third starter to push you over the hump? Absolutely they're going to. So, you know, it just it's a question of who becomes available and what the situation is, but there's no doubt in my mind that the Mets aren't done making moves. They they have the payroll to make any moves they want at, at any time. Yeah, and Cohen, he's going to be the new Steinbrenner, I think, here. He's going to spend. He's going to overspend. He's going to be relentless. Uh, he wants to win. He wants to win badly. He's worth $14 billion. The only thing he wants, he grew up a Mets fan. The only thing he wants is, you know, to be holding up that trophy. And I'm trying to think of who's still a free agent. I know Rodon's a free agent, Correa. Uh, any of these guys, I, I can't think top of my head, you know, who's still out there. Is anybody in the free agency that would kind of put him over the top? I think Rodon would be a, would be somebody, but uh, could sign Clayton Kershaw. Injuries. What's up? You could sign Clayton Kershaw. He's still a free agent? He's still a free agent. I don't think he's going back to the Dodgers. I don't think he's going to the Mets, but I don't, I don't think he's going back to the Dodgers. Wow. Yeah, I've spent so much time on football. It seems like it was years ago that free agency started. Remember we had those, you know, that crazy wave where – uh, Seeger signed, Simeon signed. There was a handful of guys that signed, what was that, early December, late November, and it's just so long ago you kind of forget, you know, who's still out there. Yeah, and, you know, that for me it's it's sort of baseball goes on the back burner for af after the World Series when, when football gets kind of heavy. And right about now I, I start – getting back into the the series Kribe just sort of like that's that's like spring training for me but uh yeah there's there's a whole bunch of names it's like oh yeah that guy signed with them I totally forgot about that and it takes me a while to to really get back into baseball I don't even I don't even start looking at teams about a week after the Super Bowl so that might answer my next couple questions any sleepers here MVP rookie of the year you killed it last year with Otani that was a great pick a great call you were on top of that uh, Fran Wander Franco, I mean, that should have been a win, 100-1 to to win Rookie of the Year. He got screwed, I think. He just didn't play enough games, which, look, he was still the best rookie. I'm sure you're still a little bitter about that. Uh, have you looked at any of these markets yet, futures, MVPs, Rookie of the Year, anything like that? You know, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no Rookie of the Year markets yet. There won't be, I don't think, for a while. And even when they do come out, half the guys that are going to end up contending probably won't even be on the early list, yeah. the first list that comes out in March. So, you know, you mentioned with the lockout, the thing is you you really have to not so much handicap the lockout, but understand what you're betting and what you expect to happen on top of the potential, you know, stoppage or shortened season. So I think I think the value knowing that there might be a shortened season is in Cy Young futures because the less starts, the more, you know, somebody has a chance to really have a Corbin Burns-like season, and the numbers just stand out so much more than everybody else. But in terms of MVP, I don't like I don't like much. Um, I don't like much just just now because you know the market's not not you know robust enough to really have numbers to compare. But one guy I was looking at for MV or for Cy Young that I think could be an interesting. Uh, bounce back guy in the AL is uh, Noah Syndergaard now on the Angels. Not sure he'll get enough innings coming off Tommy John, but if he could push 200 innings, top of you know top of the rotation 
in Anaheim with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. That's an interesting situation. Every, every year, you know, people ask me who my dark horse team is, and I always say, well, it's the Angels because they have the one thing in baseball that nobody else has. It's Mike Trout. And now they have the two things in baseball nobody else has. It's Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. So, you know, any year that you could build around those two guys, you can build a winning team, just just having those two guys in your lineup. And sooner or later, the Angels will get it right. And they've they've started to invest a lot in pitching to sort of right the ship and get where they need to be. But uh, Syndergaard is definitely a guy who can excel in, in Anaheim with, with the players around him that they now have. Yeah, I know Mets fans are thinking, you know, typical Mets, a guy would, would leave the Mets and go have a big-time year. And, yeah, you're right about the Angels. It's a, it's a shame because Trout's really – he's played in that one playoff series. They got swept against the Royals 2014. I don't think he even hit that well. He only got a couple of hits. And they just – they've tried. I mean, they got Rendon, who we almost forget about now. He was great a, a couple of years ago. You know, they've tried C.J. Wilson, Hamilton. They've tried to, to do the right thing and spend money. It's just uh, – it hasn't worked out. They haven't been able to get the pitching. Yeah, but the new GM – is uh, it's doing a good job. They're they're building. They're trying to build a better organization, and it, it takes time. But you know, you, you'll see results sooner or later. And if you don't, they're going to fire him and find someone who will make get results. Yeah, at some point the clock's ticking too, because you hate to say it makes you feel old to say, "Well, Trout's getting up there," but he's got to be, you know, in his early 30s. He's not going to be, you know, the best player in baseball forever. And you started to see last year he, he broke down and started to miss some games. So. Uh, two, years, definitely... two years in a row, he ended the season yeah. on the injured list now. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's baseball. That, you know, this, when the injuries start, they don't stop, you know, usually. And it's, it's just the way it is. It's the way it is in all sports. You, your body yeah. betrays you at a certain age. Yeah, we're seeing it LeBron in basketball. I mean, he's been hurt three out of the four years he's been with the Lakers. The one year he wasn't hurt, they won the title. So, yeah, it happens. Uh, the Giants, do you think they can maintain what they did last year really just a crazy story 100 to 1 to win the division something like that they won 100 and 304 games uh do you think they can maintain that yes because the organization the front office brings back you know the entire staff that that developed this team and they're still you know uh, farhan zaidi is is very good at uh sort of playing the waiver wire and you know getting guys like Mike Yastrzemski for nothing and developing them and salvaging the Alex Woods of the pitching rotation. So I expect them to continue to pull guys out of the scrap heap and get quality, you know, innings and quality at bats out of them. But the, the, the thing is, is, is yes, they'll, they'll continue to succeed, but they'll, they won't continue to succeed in a way where you're going to get value betting on them anymore. You know, the secret's out. They already won yeah. 90 games. So you know, they're going to be 3-1 to one to win the division or whatever. They'll be the second favorite. The The value won't be on them next year. Value will be on the Padres or the Rockies or somebody in that division, but it's not going to be on the Giants or the Dodgers anymore. I mean, you know, everybody already knows Dodgers and Giants are good now. Now, this is probably an unfair question because it, it, it assumes there will be another Giants. And, and like you said, that's... Uh, kind of a once-in-a-lifetime run the Giants had, but do you see a sleeper that can come out of the, out of nowhere? You just don't get that in baseball. You know, 162 games, the cream rises to the top. Do you see anyone? Now, it's hard with the rosters not completed. Do you see anyone that can be, you know, off the radar and come out of nowhere and, you know, win a division, compete for a World Series? The Rockies. No. Really? Uh, I mean, seriously, no, not really the Rockies, but 
the Rockies had almost they played 500 baseball since the end of July. Um, they're they're not that bad. They have you know they they need they need a little bit of pitching luck to go their way, but um, the Mariners would probably be the team. And not so much. I mean, is anybody really a surprise at this point? Like, I, I don't think there's there's like secret information in baseball that nobody else has access to when it comes to like lineups and teams and stuff. But the Mariners, they they really excelled last season, beat expectations, and including mine. I didn't think they'd be close to a 500 team, and they were on the verge of a wild card spot going into the last week of the regular season. Jared Kelnick hasn't uh, hasn't really. Uh, blossomed yet that's another former met that i'm sure people are uh Ooh. you know people on the the new york city cast love to hear about succeeding you're in another people, city man. you're triggering people um and then there's julio rodriguez don't don't forget about him i think he's the number one of the number two prospect in baseball the next mike trout sort of label and uh you can't uh you can never discount a uh a julio a julio rodriguez type player um he's He's one of my top picks for rookie of the year if uh, if we do get a season underway. So the Mets, uh, sorry, not the Mets, the the Mariners would be my uh, dark horse team if I had to pick yeah, one a good so one. far. It's a good one. Adam Burke was on the other day. He said the Tigers just because of the pitching, the division. So, uh, man, I'm getting excited just thinking about baseball, talking about it. I, I guess we got to talk about the other New York team. And it's kind of a weird question to ask you. It, it, are the Yankees a contender? Now, it sounds like a stupid question. They got Judge, they got Stanton, they got Cole. But they don't operate like the Yankees used to operate. They didn't add anybody, you know, in free agency. They didn't add anyone last year in free agency other than Corey Kluber on, you know, a $10 million show me deal. They're not that aggressive, uh, you know, overly aggressive type team. The Dodgers have really replaced them and being that team, you know, we're going to get Bauer. All right, we'll get Scherzer. We're going to get everybody and load up like these teams should. Uh, it, it's a weird market in the AL East. There's four teams that are basically co-favorites. Do you consider the Yankees a threat to win the World Series? As crazy as that sounds. Yankees are always going to be a threat to win the World Series because they can always go out and outspend everybody. They can always go out and acquire a Roger Clemens. You know, there, there's the, the Yankees don't don't have to think in the realm of you know unrealistic. If if another Giancarlo Stanton is on the market, they'll they'll go out and get him. So. Yeah, and again, the Yankees were just a couple bad breaks away from from a, a good a good season last year. And obviously, in New York, anything but a World Series appearance is is considered a bad season. So you you got to keep that in, in in sort of context. What what other people consider a, a bad season, the the Yankees probably actually had a pretty good season. Just you know, when you go out and you have Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, you got to get results at some point. So, you know, I, I think I think you know that on there, there's a school of thought that says, well, go out and sign Carlos Correa, or go out and add to your team and spend another hundred million dollars. And the Yankees might do that. They have the money to do that and the the interest. You know, Carlos Correa is obviously, you know, there's a spot for him, and they'll they'll go out when when the the, the lockout ends. They'll go out and make make decisions that are best for the team, but they're absolutely still contenders. I, I think just in New York, you, your expectations are so high that you, you, you're you always looking for reasons why they're not contenders and you're not looking at that this is this is still a 90-win team, you know. And, and you just, you, when you're a 90-win team in New York, you want to be a 100-win team. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. With all that talent, with all the resources, I mean, I think Forbes valued them at $7.5 billion dollars 
They haven't made the World Series in 12 years. I mean, haven't even made the World Series in 12 years. And, and Steinbrenner's kids run it now, and you know they're very beholden to that luxury tax. Which, look, if you're a Yankee fan, that's somewhat offensive with with the you know the prices they charge. Uh, and they really they won't go over the luxury tax. You know, they didn't get Verlander a few years ago. He went to Houston. Uh, I don't know if that was money related. It doesn't seem like they're just become very cautious with prospects, free agency, and it's amazing. They've won the AL East. They've won the division one time since 2012, which uh, it's pretty hard to believe. You know, it's it's pretty hard to believe a team like the Yankees go that long without winning a division. Yeah, and I mean a lot of it though. I mean, if you just look around baseball in general, there's the Dodgers, there's the Astros, there's there's a couple organizations that have built very elite organizations the, the tampa bay rays being you know another one that everyone aspires to be but besides that and the, the, the thing is as you look you know farther down the list there there used to be a big a big gap between the best teams and the worst teams and that's not true anymore in baseball the the worst teams still have elite analytic staffs and they're they're not bad anymore the 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 Baltimore, the Orioles aren't a bad team. The the A's might just be cheap, but they're not a bad team. You you have to compete with 29 other franchises now, as opposed to you know 10 or 15 in the past. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, you know, you're as good as anybody with these prospects. You you follow the minor leaguers. You're, you're all you're all over it. Um, these Yankee prospects. What do you know about them? Dominguez. Everyone calls him the Martian. He's supposedly the next real deal. Uh, Volpe, anything you can tell us about these Yankee prospects? Well, I mean, Dominguez, I don't know if you've seen, he has a baseball card for sale right now that is currently going for, I think, $200,000. You know, it's a, a one-of-one super refractor autograph, something or other. But, you know, he's he is, as everybody everybody's calling him, the next big thing. Um, although there's, you know, he's still a year or two or three away. So like I mentioned, Julio Rodriguez is the next big thing, but Jason Dominguez is the next big thing after Julio Rodriguez. So, you know, as a Yankee fan, you have several guys in the pipeline of, of elite, you know, contributors in the future. There's, there's Oswaldo Peraza, the Venezuelan shortstop. Um, he, I think just made the 40 man roster at the end of last season. Wouldn't be surprised if he's up this year. Could be the shortstop of the future for the Yankees. Um, you mentioned Volpe. Um, there's a couple other dudes a uh, little farther down their prospect list, but the Yankees are still stacked. They're still the Yankees, you know. Never, uh, never forget that that you're the Yankees and you know all the advantages that the Yankees have. It's, it's, it. They're they're a lot closer to the top than the bottom still. Yeah, I think that there's some criticism too, and I think some of it's fair among Yankee fans about. Uh, the organization, like these guys kind of flatline, you know, Glaber Torres is this big, you know, he's going to be a future MVP. And last year, you know, he really disappointing. And some of these guys, they just seem to to fizzle out once they get the big leagues. And you got to worry about player development. There's questions about Boone. Do you think those those concerns are fair? Yeah, but I mean, every team deals with, you know, prospects not, uh, not developing. That's the thing with prospects is you're always incentivized as a team to hype up your prospects as much as possible to get other other teams to overpay for them. But the downside is is that you hype up your guys too much, they underperform. You know, Jason Hayward was the next Willie Mays, and oh, yeah. he's had a, he's had a great career, but he's never reached the potential that he was expected to reach. And you you, you do that so often. We do that with guys. You know, we, we start comparing them so early to great players that when they just become average players, 
you know, oh, they've disappointed. And it's, well, they were just average all along. You know, we just, your expectations were too high. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's some truth to that. Well, Jason, you've been very generous with your time. Thanks for coming on. Tell us about, you know, where your uh, your podcast, where people can get it. It's called The Wide World of Wine Garden. Or how have, uh, you know, how have you enjoyed doing it so far? Wide World of Wine Garden is available on, uh, on VEASAN and wherever iHeartRadio podcasts are available. Um, usually every day of the week, uh, four to five days of the week, usually. Um, this time of the year with baseball still being a couple weeks away, and you know, I don't, I don't do basketball or hockey or anything. So, some days it's only four, it's, it's only four days a week sometimes because there's just so much. You know, I don't want to just talk about stuff to talk about stuff. I want to talk about stuff that I'm actually betting and it's interesting. So, like yesterday, I, I, I went on for 15 minutes about all the golf bets I made this week. It was a rather heavy golf week, but we talk about stuff that's happening all over the world of sports, whether it's, you know, North American sports or African soccer or the series Caribe, um, anywhere we can make money, you know, it's, it's what I talk about. And I just try to have interesting content that is, is not being replicated anywhere else or very many other places. If, uh, if I can help it. So if you tune in, going to try to do, do things different most of the time. I think you and I started around the same time. Is it harder than you thought? Uh, you kind of getting used to it. I remember the first couple I did, I was like, boy, this is, a uh, this is difficult. Then it kind of gets easier as you go. How have you enjoyed doing it? Was it harder than you think? The first couple were hard and my Oof. girlfriend would laugh at me. She'd be like, how many times did you start and stop again? You know, I could hear you in the other room starting and stopping. And I tell her, well, I'm sitting here talking to myself most of the time. Like I'm looking into a camera, look, re you know, reciting an outline that I, I came up with. So I don't have guests and it's, it's a little harder because you know, unless you're, you, you do a lot of public speaking or practice a lot of speaking, talking into a camera by yourself for, for 30 minutes a day is challenging at first. But I, I had a good trick that, that maybe will be helpful for you if you're recording by yourself. But if I got a tennis ball and I put it like I put it on a stick and I put it right next to the camera so I could look at the tennis ball, it has a little face on it. And I talked to the <laughs> tennis ball. I actually got that from, uh, from Spaceballs. Um, that was in, I was reading something about space balls and was saying when they were recording with puppets and robots and whatever, yeah, she had, one of the characters had to talk to a tennis ball to, you know, make it look like she was looking at the camera. So I, I picked up on that. And since I've done that, it's gotten easier. Um, that was just a little trick, but in general, it's just, it's one of those things that the more you do it, the easier it gets. So once, once I do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Thursday is going to be easier. Friday is going to be easier. It's just sort of getting in, in the routine and, you know, coming up with, with stuff to talk about. And like, you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets. So every day I do it, the, the better the shows shows are. Yeah, I definitely had a deer in the headlights, especially the first one where somebody's just, you know, producers are like, hey, start talking. And I didn't yeah, have a camera. I was talking. doing it through Zoom. Just keep What's talking. That? I know. Keep talking. Yeah. You don't realize how much, you know, 20, 30 minutes, you write out all this outlines and stuff and you're like, all right, that was a good eight minutes. What are you going to do for the other, you know, 32 minutes? It, it's That's difficult. Why you could always just, you're like, Oh, look, here's a dog. You know, look, there he is. Dog. Look at the dog. And then you can, you know, go back to podcasting. So people yeah, like no that too. All right. Before we get you out of here, uh, do you have a pick on this series? Caribe? You've been killing it in these picks. I think it's the fine is the finals tonight. Finals tonight, the last game, it's uh, Mexico versus the Dominican Republic, I think. No, sorry, no, um, excuse me, Mexico-Dominican played uh, last night. It was one nothing. 
it was actually a perfect game going into the ninth inning. I was I was watching it. Oh, uh, he blew pretty, it. Alexander blew it. Yeah, Tyler Alexander, different Tyler Alexander, not the uh, the the Detroit one. But uh, yeah, he blew it. Blew it in the ninth that. inning. Ended up winning the two one. So it's the Dominicans versus Columbia tonight in the final. Columbia is one of the newer teams in the series. Kribe, they were not expected to uh, win very many games, if at all. They actually won their first game in the country's history and the participation of the series, which is only like two, three years. But they won their first game, and then they ended up winning two, and they ended up winning three, and they've made it all the way to the finals. They knocked out Venezuela yesterday. I think it was like eight to one. So now they get to play the Dominicans, and the Dominicans being in the Dominican Republic are obviously going to be like three to one favorite or something. I don't really have a play because I don't think I, I don't think it's going to be much of a game. I think I mean the Dominicans are so much of a better team. If if you really wanted some action, I would say you could probably find a good price on Colombia, a, a big price on the dog, and I'd probably go under. I think. Uh, I don't think Colombia is going to score very much versus a, a much better, uh, a much better Dominican team. But but the last game of the series is is typically not one where the value is. So it's more of a if if you're into baseball tonight, you get to watch a championship game. It's on ESPN Plus, I think, at like four o'clock or something. Yeah, I kind of wish they put these games on MLB Network because I'm dying to watch baseball. I, I'm sitting there, you know, these games are on in the afternoon, watch a baseball game. I, I don't feel like going to, you know, MLB.com or ESPN Plus to watch it, but I wish they were kind of just on normal TV so people could watch them. Yeah, they're fun, though. I mean, they they, they, they tend are. to be long, too. They tend to go three and a half, four hours. So, like, one of the games I took a nap, I stopped watching, I turned it back on, it's still going, it's... You could pl you don't have to plan your day around these games. Oh yeah, it was the Venezuela game. It was like six nothing the other day, and the team came back to make it seven six, and and went up going extra innings. Yeah, it was a great game. Yeah, I mean they're fun, and it's it's nice. Like I said, for me, it's it's a chance to sort of get your brain back into baseball after after being you know so into football for a couple months, and you really need to like it's a it's a different way of thinking handicapping baseball. So. I like to sort of gradually get back into it. And the series Kribe is a good chance to, uh, you know, kind of dip your toe back into the baseball betting waters after an off season off. Yeah. Betters need spring training too, just like the players do. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jason, uh, the, the podcast wide world of Weingarten podcast, Jason Weingarten. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. We'll have you again on, uh, again on soon, hopefully. Thanks for having me. I like doing, uh, I like being a guest on podcasts. It's uh, it's a lot different than being a host. All right, Jason. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to my guest, Jason Weingarten. Uh, really enjoyed having him on. Been wanting to do that for a while. He is uh, a good follow on Twitter. Follow him at, Sp at Spreadopedia. Really, he's uh, he'll help you learn how to win. He really has an interesting way of, of looking at things. Very good in, in terms of baseball and futures. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk more. Probably do a little bit of everything. We'll definitely get into the Flores situation. Like I said, that story is not going anywhere. Uh, more NBA. The Knicks and Nets are off tonight. The Nets uh, are just a mess. I mean, it's just, it's not getting any better with Harris out, Aldridge out. Harden's been a disaster. You don't know when Durant's going to be back. Uh, Kyrie can only play in half the games. It, I just feel like it's going to be one of those one if, what if situations uh, with the Nets where they just can never seem to get the guys on the court at the same time. And, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. We, we saw flashes of them you know, beating Boston last year in the playoffs and looking great, but. Ever since that, you know, Harden got hurt, Irving got hurt, and uh, this year yeah, the the wheels have are falling off, and it's not crazy to think that you know they'll be in the play-in scenario, which is 
Uh, pretty hard to believe. But thank you guys for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Do more Super Bowl. We'll get into the Flores situation. Uh, talk some NBA and give you some picks. We'll see you guys tomorrow. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare